Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I've, I've got some friends who are really good, almost, almost to the point that it's almost unnerving or even intimidating. They're really good at asking questions. Like they know, they know just the right question to ask, the right way to phrase it, the right way to, to try to get information from you, draw, draw interest out of you. They're really good at that art of asking questions. And sometimes people can ask you a loaded question. Like maybe you've made a new friend on the side of the road who's driving a car with flashing lights. Anybody ever done that? And they walk up to your car and they say, do you know how fast you were going? <laughs> That's a loaded question, isn't it? Men, if you're asked the question, how do I look in this dress? That's a loaded question, right? There's certain questions that come that they come with a certain uh, to them. There's loaded questions. There's trick questions. Sometimes there's just powerful questions. Today, we're going to look at a question that the Apostle Paul asks. Acts chapter 19, we're jumping back into our series on the book of Acts. We're going we're to look for these next few weeks at Paul's experience in a city called Ephesus. Really important city. We'll, we'll talk about this in just a few minutes. Let's look at what we read. Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. There's some history and backstory in that that we won't get into today. Two words in that verse that I think are really important for us to focus on. The first one is Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. In the New Testament, Ephesus is is one of the central places that's good for us to know about and to consider. It is the city that Paul spent the most time in. He starts this church in Ephesus, and then he spends three years there working with the church in this city. That's twice as long as he spends in any other place because it's such an important city and and, an integral part of what he's doing in his mission. Paul not only spends time there, but if you're familiar that Paul wrote two letters to a young pastor named Timothy, when he wrote those letters to Timothy that are in our New Testament, Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, And then later, the apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, he was the pastor of the church in Ephesus in in the, the last years of his life. So the apostle John, Timothy, and the apostle Paul all were leaders in this church. It is one of the most significant locations in the New Testament, not just because of the New Testament, because of the place where it was. You can look back and find inscriptions from that season of time in the first century where it says that Ephesus was the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. Asia was that region, kind of modern-day Turkey, in, in the Roman Empire. And of all the cities that were there, Ephesus was one of the most primary ones. They had a population of over a quarter million people. It was a hub for all kinds of activity, and largely for two reasons. The, the first reason Ephesus was so important was because of its geographic location. It was in this, this central location for trade that made it so significant, and it was kind of a bridge in many ways between the Roman Empire and what was happening in Asia to the east of there, and it made this connection in that time that made Ephesus such an important and significant place. But maybe even more than its role in trade, Ephesus was significant because it was the home of the temple of the goddess Artemis. 
as a part of the mythology and, the, and the, the idol worship, the goddess and god worship of that day in pagan religion. And Artemis was more than just kind of a goddess that was there. It was that worship of Artemis was the hub of what happened in that city. If you read Acts chapter 19, you'll see this as we continue to move through this story in the coming weeks. And it was such a central part of who they were. And people, pilgrims, tourists, would come from all over the region to come to Ephesus. Not only was it a significant place because the temple of Artemis was there, which is now known as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, but it was also a place of much spiritual activity. So there was dynamics that was happening in that city in that time, spiritual dynamics, spiritual activity, evil spirits that made it a very interesting place and such a significant place. Remember this because we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about Ephesus in the next few weeks. Ephesus, a very significant place. Second word in that verse that I think really deserves our attention is the word disciples. It says that when Paul went to Ephesus, he met some disciples. Now, biblical scholars, they disagree on, on kind of who these disciples were and what their lives were really about and what their level of faith was. And the reality is we, we don't have any real way of knowing. Here's what we know about them. We know that they were individuals who claimed to be disciples, but as you'll, you'll see as we read through this, had a very incomplete knowledge of who Jesus was and how that affected their lives. They were still growing in their faith, which sounds a lot like you and me, doesn't it? <laughs> we're disciples who are growing in our faith. So what happens next becomes really significant for us. Acts chapter 19, verse two. Paul goes to Ephesus, he meets disciples, and he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's, that's the question that we're talking about today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Interesting question from Paul. It's the only time we see Paul ask this question, and it's very deliberate. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? The topic of the Holy Spirit is a big deal to Luke. Now, Luke, if you remember, is the guy that wrote the book of Acts. He also wrote the story about Jesus that we call the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, Luke repeatedly emphasizes the role and the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's no surprise that he has in his record Paul asking this very clear question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Their answer, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, which to us sounds kind of like ignorance. Like we didn't even know that there was such a thing. Until you start digging into who they were. These disciples probably had a Jewish background and it says that they had a connection back to John the Baptist. And so it's not a matter of the fact that they, they didn't know there was a Holy Spirit, that they'd never heard that term before. It was they didn't recognize that they could receive the Holy Spirit. That they didn't know that there was something out there for them. And so when Paul says, if you receive the Holy Spirit, they're like, we didn't, we didn't know that we could receive the Holy Spirit. We, we didn't know that there was something there for us. And so they have this, this curiosity. They have this teachable spirit to say, we didn't even know that you could receive the Holy Spirit. And they realize now there's something more for them. Paul asks a great question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Here's reality. That's a, that's a really good question for us too. Like, like if you were in Ephesus, 
and you interacted with Paul 2,000 years ago, and it was you that he was talking to, and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? What, what would you say? Maybe we ask this question with a little more clarity. How, how do you relate to this? What role does the Holy Spirit play in your life? What, what dynamic is there in your life because of the Holy Spirit? How, how do you interact with the Holy Spirit? Maybe the best place for us to start is, is just to say, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Oftentimes, I think we, we may have heard that term in church or in the culture, but we really don't know what it means. If, if you have to boil it right down, the Holy Spirit is God. Like we, we believe in something, a concept about identifying God that we call the Trinity. And if you've ever heard this before, when you read God's word, you see that God has made himself known to us in what we would refer to as the Holy Trinity. That there is just one God, but he has revealed himself to us in three persons. Help, help me out if you know this. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we see these different dynamics in the way that God has revealed himself. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a relationship with him is an essential part of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a relationship with him, we believe, is an essential part. This is why we're calling this sermon series Essentials. It's an essential part of the Christian life. Now, sometimes when you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, they, they talk about the Holy Spirit as an it, that, that it did this or it did that. When you read scripture, you find out the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a, it's a he. <laughs> He's the Holy Spirit. He's a person, and he desires to have a relationship with us. And that, that becomes kind of tricky because it can be easy for us to sometimes kind of forget or, or maybe even dismiss the Holy Spirit's role. Because when we think about the Trinity, if you think about God the Father, well, Father's an easy concept for us to kind of understand because we all, in one way or another, have one. Might not be a healthy model of one, or it might be a great model of one, but somewhere we can grasp this concept of a father. And the idea of Jesus as a son, well, we've got a physical construct that we can grab hold of there. Yeah, I can understand that. I know what a father-son relationship is. But when we talk about an unseen, all-powerful, creative force that, the, the only concept we sometimes have from that comes from science fiction movies, right? Yeah, we, we think we know what the force is, but that's not what we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God, and he desires to have a relationship with us. And so Paul asks a question. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I don't think that question was random, he knew that for those believers in that time and in that place that they could not afford to be without the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the truth is, I feel strongly about this series of messages because for, for these believers, for us, in this time, in this place, I do not think we can afford to live without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is essential that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, th I think sometimes we have a tendency to maybe think of the Holy Spirit the, the same way we think about uh, options when we're buying a car. Like when you go to buy a car, you know there are some things that you have to have and some things that maybe you can live without. If you're looking at a car, if, 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 if it has an engine, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> it is essential. Tires, essential. Heated seats, eh. bells and whistles. GPS, 
might be nice, but I can live without it. We look at some things and go, no, that's essential. I have to have that. Other things, you kind of go, oh, that's, that's just optional. And I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we think of the Holy Spirit in that way, that the Holy Spirit and an interaction with him may just be kind of optional. I don't have to have it, but, but, but maybe, and, and for certain people it's good, maybe not for me, maybe it's a bit of a luxury to have that in our lives. And, and what I want to hopefully help you to see through this series is that it is essential that the Holy Spirit be active and have a role in your spiritual life. So here's what we're going to look at real quick today. Five reasons you need the Holy Spirit. Because you, you might ask me, well, why? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? We're going to look at five reasons you need the Holy Spirit. And then as we go through the course of this series, we're going to unpack these ideas a little bit more. Five reasons you need the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. Number one, if you need strength, you need the Holy Spirit. If you need strength, you need the Holy Spirit. This takes us right back to how we prayed last week. If you remember, we were praying through Ephesians chapter 3, and we hit this verse, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Our strengthening comes from the Holy Spirit. And so if you need strength in your life, you, you need the Holy Spirit. I have what, what some people would probably say is a bit of a bad habit. I, I have a tendency that if I don't think through and plan out my day, I, I can get going and busy and right in the middle of something, and I'll just I'll skip lunch. I'll be busy, and I, I don't bring something to eat, or I don't make plans to go out and get something, and I'll just go through the day, and, and I'll skip meals because I'm just kind of focused and just kind of moving through. Anybody else ever do that? No, I, I, I thought you all looked kind of hangry. So it doesn't appear that you skip meals. So, so I'll tell you, the, the other thing, maybe you've done this. Like if I'm, if I'm really busy and I'm, and I'm struggling to get things done, I can have a tendency to sacrifice sleep to be able to get things done. Anybody else, you ever do that? You're like, I, I just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep later, but I, I've, I've got to move through. I don't have time to sleep right now. And look, there's seasons where those kind of things just happen. But if it becomes a pattern you know, you begin to sense that in your body, right? If you're not eating the way that you should, either what's in your diet or not at all, or if you're cheating yourself on sleeping, not getting enough rest, at some point, you begin to notice it in your physical activity. You, you begin to sense it in your body, in your energy, in your strength, in, in what's just called the power that you have. And the truth is that same thing happens spiritually. That we can have a tendency to ignore our need for God's strength. And in doing that, we're ignoring the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, especially when we really need him the most. In the book of Acts, this is a major message that God has given to us his Holy Spirit to be able to strengthen us in those times when we need it. The, the reality is when, when Jesus was just about to ascend, and that's the terminology that we use for when he left earth and went to heaven, so this is after his death, after his resurrection. He was spending some time with his disciples and just before he's about to ascend. So this is one of the last things that he says to his followers. So you know it's important because he says it with an emphasis. Look at what he says. Acts chapter one, verse four. Jesus says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. That's a good word. I like a gift. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were, they were looking for secrets about the end times there. And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Look at this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you see what he said here? That God has a gift for you. God gives good gifts. His gift for you is his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is gonna give you the power, it's gonna give you the energy, it's gonna give you the strength that you need that when you experience and encounter the Holy Spirit, when you have the infilling or the baptism with the Holy Spirit, then he will give you the power and the strength that you need. And the book of Acts gives to us multiple occasions where this happens, where the followers of Jesus experience this infilling of the Holy Spirit. The first one is in Acts chapter two, verse four. We're, we're familiar with this. This is from the, the day of Pentecost. We talked about this back when we started this series of messages back in 1951. Do you remember that back when we started the book of Acts? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. On, on Wednesday night this week, we're, we're gonna do something special. You know, we, we always have a Wednesday night service and we have a lot of classes and things that are happening for our kids and for our students and we have adult Bible studies and things. This Wednesday night, we're gonna all come together and, and we're gonna do some teaching on, on this idea a little bit more. And in particular, this pattern in the book of Acts of people experiencing this empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Because you see it in Acts chapter two, and you see it in Acts chapter four, you see it in Acts chapter eight, you see it in Acts chapter 10, you hear it explained in Acts chapter 11. We'll, we'll read here in just a moment how it happens in Acts chapter 19. There's this pattern of God pouring out his Holy Spirit on his people so they can receive the strength and the power that they need. Look, look, here's what I want you to see, that every believer can be filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every believer can be filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit. We, we use those, those terms kind of interchangeably, filled with, baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what happens with, with Paul and these disciples in Ephesus, back in Acts chapter 19 where we started. Let me read to you the rest. Remember his question, he says to them, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was one. Watch what he says next, verse three. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That's Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Do you see a little theme here? Acts chapter 2 mentioned this idea of speaking in tongues. Now you've got Acts chapter 19 that mentions this idea of speaking in tongues. You also see it in Acts chapter 10. You, you, you see it in Acts chapter 8, these unique experiences. Here's, here's what we believe, that there's a pattern in the book of Acts that when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, there is the evidence of spirit-inspired speech that happens. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit more on Wednesday night, and then we're, we're going to do something kind of unique for us. I, I've spent my whole life, like my, my entire life in an Assemblies of God church. We are, as, as Calvary Church, our affiliation, our fellowship is with a, a group, you might call it a denomination, called the Assemblies of God. 
And the assemblies of God, if you had to categorize us, is what is known as a Pentecostal fellowship. And then that word Pentecostal is kind of a loaded word because different people, based on their experience, if I say we're a Pentecostal church, some people go, oh, Pentecostal, that means y'all's weird. That's what a lot of people think. Like there's something weird about that. We're not weird. We don't even pass snakes around anymore. We're not, time out, time out, never did it, never did it. <laughs> we never passed snakes around. Don't cut that. We, we never did. But a part of our Pentecostal tradition, if, if you need a definition for what does that word Pentecostal mean, and people get all theologically weird and they get all emotionally excessive, if you want to know what Pentecostal means, here's what it means. We believe that what the Holy Spirit did in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit still does today. So if the Holy Spirit healed people in the New Testament, we believe the Holy Spirit still heals people. And if the Holy Spirit led people in the New Testament, we believe the Holy Spirit still leads people. Amen? And if the Holy Spirit filled people in the New Testament, we believe the Holy Spirit is still filling people. And sometimes what, what we, we need to do is take the time or create an environment where we can stop and spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence. And one of the challenges we have on Sunday mornings is we've got the three services and kind of unique physical space. We, we don't have a whole lot of time for that. I, I grew up in a tradition where on a regular basis, we, we made time to be able to do that. And so Wednesday night, we're going to take some time to worship. We're going to take some time to teach. And we're going to take some time to pray. And we're going to take some time to say, Holy Spirit, we are stopping long enough to hear you, to seek you, to experience you at work in our lives. And some of you may say, well, I've, I've never done anything like that before. I want to encourage you, if you can, 7 o'clock Wednesday night, this room, make it a priority to be with us. Because I know in my own life that experiences like that have been strengthening and life-changing. And some of you might say, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to go to any kind of service that might get kind of weird can, can I just tell you, we leave weird out on Conant Street. We don't bring it in here, <laughs> okay? It's not a weird experience. And I know schedules are challenging that they don't work for anyone. But I, I would encourage you, if, if your excuse to not come Wednesday night is apathy, or if it's that you had a bad experience in the past, or if it's that maybe you're fearful of something that's kind of new, I would encourage you to say, Holy Spirit, I, I need more of you in my life. I'm seeking for that strength. I'm seeking for that experience. It's, it's a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that every believer can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look, I, I know for some of you, this is just another sermon. But for others of you, as I'm talking about something more in your spiritual life, is I'm talking about a, a deeper experience with God through his Holy Spirit. There's something, and I don't know any other way to explain it, there's just something in your gut that you, you just go, that, I, I want that. I don't, I don't always get dessert when I go out to eat, but you know there are times where you get done eating your meal and you're just like, I need something else. Like, I feel there's a special anointing on ice cream. Anybody else? Like, there's just, there's these times where I'm just like, I, I know what I have is good, but I'm hungry for something more. That's in a, spiritual, in a physical sense. Some of you are sensing that in a spiritual sense. You're, you're hungry for a deeper intimacy with God. 
You're searching for his purpose for your life. You need his sustenance and his strength and his power. You need more love. For some of you, you're just tired of giving in to temptation. And you're saying, God, I just need something more from you. This desire that you have in your gut for something more is a desire for the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is not dessert. He's essential. That his interaction in your life is an essential thing. And I'm convinced that why Paul said what he did when he asked that question, and I'm also convinced that what God wants to do as we look at these scriptures in these next few weeks is to help you to see that that relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life is something essential. And if you'll be open to what God's Holy Spirit will and can do in your life, it can be a game changer. So if you need strength, number one, you need the Holy Spirit. Number two, if you're seeking direction... You need the Holy Spirit. If you're in a place in your life where you're seeking direction, you need the Holy Spirit. This is all through the book of Acts. If you remember, we've kind of been working our way through, and we see time after time where the Holy Spirit leads people. Acts chapter 10, he leads Peter to Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 16, he leads Paul to Macedonia. Acts chapter 15, do you remember the disciples had to make a decision? And how did they frame it? They said, it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the business of leading us. Do you, do you remember those cartoons where the, the character in the cartoon has to make a decision and there's an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those, those little things and they're, they're in, in their ears telling them what to do. Well, that's great for Tom and Jerry, but that's not real life. When you look at the Bible, you don't get an angel on your shoulder. Do you know who directs you and leads you and guides you? Do, do you know who brings conviction in those times when you're thinking about doing something wrong and you know who brings encouragement when you need courage to do what's right? You know who brings you wisdom when you come to a crossroad and have to decide what direction do I go? That's the Holy Spirit. John chapter three, verse eight says this, that the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You, you can't see the Holy Spirit. You can feel him. You can sense him moving and directing and stirring you and taking you in the places where you need to go. We call that walking in the Spirit, and we find direction when we walk in the Spirit. And for some of us, that's a significant thing and, and something in our lives that we truly need to think about. In a couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. We find direction when we walk in the spirit. Look, we, we live in a world that's filled with Alexa and Siri and Google and GPS. We've become reliant on so many things. The other day, I had, to, I had to get somewhere simply by using directions that somebody gave me. I felt helpless, right? I thought it was, what, what is this, 2004? Are you kidding me? We've become so reliant on so many things to lead us. What if we were open to the Holy Spirit's leading. If you need strength, you need the Holy Spirit. If you need direction, you need the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing. If, if you want to accomplish God's purpose for your life, you need the Holy Spirit. God has a purpose for your life, but he's designed it so that for you to fulfill it, it happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't, I don't think that anyone wants to waste their life. I don't think anybody deliberately says, I, I just want my life to not matter. I think we all want to be effective, successful, make a difference, live a life with meaning and purpose. And it's an incredible thing that happens here when Paul says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? He's saying to them, look, you need this. Do you, do you, ever, do you ever recommend something to somebody else? Like a, a movie, a, a TV show, a restaurant, a book? I was having breakfast with a friend the other day. He was telling me about what's going on in his life. And I said to him, hey, man, I'm reading this book right now. I, I think it, it's been really helpful for me. I think it'd be helpful for you. So I went back to the office and I hopped on Amazon and I ordered him a copy because I know it could be helpful for him. And he's my friend. I care enough about him. So I want him to know about it. I want him to have this because I think it'll make a difference. That's why Paul asked the question. Paul says, I'm asking you if you've received the Holy Spirit because the only way you're going to be able to accomplish your purpose is if you allow him, the Holy Spirit, to help you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Look, look at what Paul writes. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. How are you going to accomplish your purpose? You're going to accomplish it through God's spirit who lives in you, and he's not a weak or a lame spirit. He's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And you might go, well, my purpose scares me a little bit. My future's got some uncertainty. How do I know this is going to work out okay? There was a pastor in a, in a city called Ephesus who asked the same questions. And so when the apostle Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for the spirit of God does not make us timid. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I need those things. How do I get them? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us for purpose. We'll take some time later in this series to unpack what that looks like, and especially with the concept of how does the Spirit give us gifts to be able to accomplish his purpose in our lives. I really think you, you need to see that the Holy Spirit is essential because if you need strength, you need the Holy Spirit. If you're seeking direction, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want to accomplish God's purpose for your life, you need the Holy Spirit. Here's the fourth thing. If you are fighting a battle, you need the Holy Spirit. If you are fighting a battle, you need the Holy Spirit. Look, I, I know most of us have no idea truly what it means to fight a physical battle. A lot of us have, have, have never had any kind of military background or experience. In fact, too many of us are, are probably unaware of the fact that we have a, a very significant military presence that's right here in Northwest Ohio. The, the 180th Fighter Wing of the Ohio Air National Guard that's out by the airport, a lot of us maybe drive by there and know about it, and we're just kind of like, oh, there's that Air Force thing out there. Well, what you sometimes call that Air Force thing is one of the most significant installations in our country because what they do out there is they are always on the ready that if anything weird or dangerous happens somewhere in this large chunk, this large region that we're a part of, you know who the first people they are that they call if something goes down? The folks in Toledo. And so the men and women out there serve us in ways that we, we probably will never know in such a great way because they recognize something, that there is always potential for a battle. And we always have to be ready to be victorious in conflict. Now, I'm so thankful that they're doing that right here in Northwest Ohio. 
But do I ever stop to think that the same thing's happening in the spiritual world? That in the spiritual world, there is always conflict and there's always battle. And the truth is, for some of us, you're like, oh, that's a little, that's a little pessimistic, isn't it? Negative Chad. Like you're, you're saying things are always bad, that there's always challenges. Look, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more in a few weeks, but there's a concept that we talk about from Scripture called spiritual warfare. And the idea is this that there is always something going on in spiritual places around us where there is conflict. And many times we look at challenges and troubles in our own life and we want to blame people or circumstances when actually there's a spiritual component to that. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Here's what Paul says about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We'll, we'll talk about that later, what he means by full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you see what he said here? He says there are, there are spiritual evil forces at work in the world around us. Have any of you ever experienced that? Just me. You just don't like to talk about it, <laughs> right? It's real. And the reality is we might say, well, you say if I'm fighting a battle. I don't think I'm fighting a battle, but Paul just said you are. Paul just said that in every aspect of our lives, there are times where we have an enemy who's unseen but not unreal. And he is there and his desire is to stop us. The truth is this was really important when Paul spoke to the people in Ephesus, the home of the temple of Artemis, which opened them up to all kinds of pagan religion, all kinds of false gods, and let's be honest, all kinds of evil spirits. In that day and time, Ephesus was known as the hub, as the home of the magic arts. And so Paul was saying, if you're gonna make it in Ephesus with all that spiritual activity, you better have the Holy Spirit. Think of the world that we live in. I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where ideas and distractions come at us more frequently or faster. Have you found that to be true? There used to be a time where there were temptations that you had to go and hunt down if you wanted to fulfill those things. Now they come right into our living rooms and into the palms of our hands. We live in a world and our culture where there's no shortage of things that we can give our time and worship to. And these lifeless things that we could call idols come to us to worship them. The truth is, if there was ever a time in a culture that needed the power of the Holy Spirit, I think it's us in 2019. And Paul's word to the church in Ephesus, I do believe is God's word to us as well. And if you wanna be victorious in the spiritual battles that you're facing and fighting, I don't mean to be negative. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to be honest. And if you wanna be victorious, you're gonna need the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot fight spiritual battles by yourself. Victory comes from the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? If you need strength, you need the Holy Spirit. If you're seeking direction, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you need the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting a battle, you need the Holy Spirit. Last one, number five, if you want to be a better person, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a better person, 
You need the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, if you want to be a better person, he just went all TV preacher on us. (laughs) Stick with me for just a minute. As a new year starts, I don't want to be the same person I was last year. Like, I had a really good 2018. Like, I'm I'm not mad. I look back and I'm thankful for what God did in my life, in the church, things that happened. And I had a pretty good year, but I want to be better Like, I I look at last year and say, I want to be a better person in 2019 than I was in 2018. Raise your hand if you want to be a better person in 2019. Raise your hand if you want your spouse to be a better person. You you get the point, right? Rhonda's over there, both hands in the air. Help him, Lord, help him. I want more patience. I want to treat people better. I want to respond to situations with, with a greater depth of character in my life. And the truth is, that doesn't just happen. You know how it happens? Guess whose work it is. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Galatians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, what grows in us because of the Holy Spirit's work, what is naturally developing if we give the Holy Spirit place, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all good things that I sure could use. Reality is, if you have a garden and you're going to tend to that garden, it means that you're going to pay attention to fertilizer, nurturing, pulling weeds, watering, protecting. And in the same way, we have to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can be at work in our lives and create something, but it won't happen if we're not aware of him. I think too many times we get just moving through our lives and we're quick to dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like we know he's there, but we don't pay attention to him. I know my furnace is in the basement, but I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it until I'm cold. Anybody else? And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, I need to be doing something about this. But I don't understand how it works. I don't don't necessarily get it. I know who to call when something bad happens. And we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know he's there. But we don't think about the work that he wants to do in our lives. And sometimes it's, it's, just, it's just forgetfulness. Sometimes it's actually dismissiveness. We don't want him too close. We don't want him messing too much. When what we need is the Holy Spirit, when we are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he produces good fruit in our lives. Why take the time to talk about this today? Because if you need strength or direction if you want to fulfill God's purpose, if you want to be victorious in the spiritual battles that you fight, or if you just want to develop fruit in your life to be a better person, you won't do it on your own. It is essential. A relationship with the Holy Spirit is essential in the life of the Christian. And I'm pretty sure that, that of those five things we talked about, there's, there's probably at least one that you could raise your hand. I'm, I'm on the all five plan. Anybody else? <laughs> like, I need those things. And if I need those things, then I need the Holy Spirit. Let's wrap up with with one more scripture. Most of what we'll talk about in this series will come from the teaching of the Apostle Paul. So most of what, and a lot of it will come from what he wrote to the church in Ephesus and his experience in Acts chapter 19. So we'll we'll spend a lot of time on that. The last thing I want to read to you, though, comes from Jesus. And it comes from the Gospel of John. What's significant is that many people believe that when John wrote this gospel, he wrote it while he was in, and he maybe even wrote it for the church in, guess what city? (laughs) Ephesus. And when he wrote to them, 
and he wanted them to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives, he included this story from the life of Jesus. Jesus was at one of the the Jewish religious feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, and it says this, John chapter seven, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Do you hear what Jesus said? He says, look, the Holy Spirit's work in your life is gonna be like rivers of living water flowing from within you. If you've ever been thirsty, if you've ever felt spiritually dry, if you've ever known what it's like to feel alone or tired or desolate, Jesus says, if you need refreshing or renewal, if you need strength or direction, if you need victory or help, if you just want to see something grow inside of you, that will come from the Holy Spirit's work in your life like rivers of living water. I stress that today because I believe that that relationship with the Holy Spirit is essential for you in your life. And if you ignore it, there are very real consequences. For many of us, we don't look to the Holy Spirit until it's too late. Like we wait until there's conflict or chaos or or, or confusion. When we need to be open to saying on a daily basis, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. You're welcome here. I want to be more aware of your presence in my life. Holy Spirit, I need you. One of the the most influential books on leadership that I've ever read is a book called Leading on Empty by a guy named Wayne Cordero. In the book, Cordero tells a story about when he was training to be a long-distance runner, and his coach instructed him and told him, he says, look, as you're you're running, make sure you hydrate at certain time intervals. Here's what the coach said. The coach said, every 15 minutes, you drink six ounces of water. Keep an eye on your watch so you don't violate your hydration limits. So as you're running, keep an eye on your watch. Every 15 minutes, you drink six ounces of water. And here's what Cordero said to him. Wayne Cordero said, but coach, what if I'm not thirsty? Here's how the coach replied. Listen to me, Cordero. If you wait until you're thirsty to take a drink, it's too late. Your body is already into dehydration, and you can't afford that. And if you spiritually wait until you're spiritually dehydrated to seek the work of the rivers of living water, of the Holy Spirit in your life. In so many ways, it's already too late. I think it is essential that before you become spiritually dehydrated, you open yourself up and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I need you. I need your fruit to grow in me. I need your victory in my life. I need your help to accomplish my purpose. I need your direction. Holy Spirit, I need your infilling and strength. Holy Spirit, I need you. So right now, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me if you would, please, whether you're in this room or whether you're in auditorium too, even if you're watching on a screen somewhere, would you just take a moment? And if you're open, would you put yourself in a posture just to receive? And just begin in your own heart to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, and, and, and make it personal right now. Holy Spirit, I need your strength. Holy Spirit, I need your direction. I need your guidance. 
And in just a moment, we're going to pray. And when we do, I I hope that you will be open. And we're going to sing this song, that you will invite the Holy Spirit's presence in your life and in your heart. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we look to you today. Because we know that you love us and you have in mind what's best for us. Many of us are here today and we're seeking something from you. We need something from you. We want to be more aware of your presence and your work in our lives. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. In this moment, we look to you. We seek you now. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close.
to do the right thing. I'm not asking you to say, ah, I probably should do this. I, I, just, I just feel led that I, I want to pray specifically that if you would just say, God, that's, that's me. I needed this today. Holy Spirit, I'm hungry for more. I need you. Would you just raise a hand? Not because not you know it's the right thing, just because you know God's speaking to your heart. Holy Spirit, I need you. You can just raise both hands if you're comfortable. Holy Spirit, I need you. Not just in word, not just in theology. I need your spirit in my spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want to experience your presence. We want to know your goodness. We need your strength and your power and your direction. Holy Spirit, we need you in our lives. And so we open up ourselves to walk in the Spirit, to be led of the Spirit, to the gifts of the Spirit, to the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in our hearts. Father, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Holy Spirit, that you would guide and direct us, that you would send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. I hope if it fits your schedule, make it a priority to be with us Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, this room. Have a great week. We'll see you then.